Greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Chris Pods and Things podcast with me, of course, your host, Chris Stevens. Definitely want to thank you all for listening to last week's episode of the uh, Kevin Samuels Experience. Well, actually, it was the week before last because, of course, Kevin Samuels died on a fr- on a Thursday. I did an emergency episode on a Friday, and I said I wasn't going to come back and do an episode on Monday, and I damn sure wasn't doing one on Friday the 13th because I'm just that superstitious, unfortunately. But if you're interested in listening to any of our previous episodes, you can go to anchor.fm forward slash C-H-R-I-S-P-O-D, the letter N-T-H-A-N-G-S, and you can also... Find us on Spotify at Chris Pods and Things. Just type that out as a sentence, same as it was spelled before, and subscribe to us there and get new episodes as they drop. As I've said before, when I restarted this, I was going to try to do one one episode a week. Could be two, could be three. No, it's not going to be three. <laughs> the most I may do in one week is two, but it'll, it'll definitely be at least one new episode every week. Got a lot to cover this week, unfortunately. We've got the uh, ter- home, the domestic terrorism that happened at the grocery store in Buffalo, New York on Saturday, and a few more things of interest to cover. So, welcome aboard to the CPNT show. It has never been easy to be black in this country. I know it. You know it. Everyone else knows it, except for white people who swear that black people are going to take any and everything that they have because mostly white people have taken any and everything that everybody else has. That leads me to uh, last um, Saturday's tragedy at a black uh, neighborhood grocery store in Buffalo, New York. 18-year-old white kid dressed in army gear and with an assault rifle uh, drove three, three, I think it was 300 miles or three hours north to Buffalo from where he's from uh, and, and Twitch streamed uh, in a massacre. He, uh, 13 people were injured, 10 are dead at the moment. That number, of course, could rise. And it's interesting to note that white people are always accusing black people and other races of the violence that they perpetuate on a regular basis without fail. It's clearly white people that are always shooting up shit, you know, always bombing, always raping, always just being general terrorists. I mean, this is domestic terrorism. People's refusal to call racism racism and to call incidents like this domestic terrorism are the reason that they keep happening. And one person who is absolutely responsible for this is Tucker Carlson over at Fox News because he has pushed that whole replacement theory shit to the hilt. And if you don't know what that means, it's basically white people and oh, it's basically white men saying that they're being replaced by black people, Latinos, Asians women, the LGBTQ community, basically anybody that's not straight male and white is replacing white people and they're scared to death. So here's where we have an 18 year old kid. And I want to say that people saying that, oh, racism will die out eventually. You know, that's just something that, you know, you know, everybody that was, you know, racist way back then is like 75, 80 years old. Now they're going to die out. It's not going to be a problem. No, no, that's not happening. And that's not happening because the internet has given community to white people to commiserate over their issues. And that includes the misery of not being 
the number one race or the master race as they like to as they like to portray themselves to be. And I feel like we don't talk enough about how these white folks get in these young white folks get indoctrinated, especially the men, because this was years ago. But there was a kid out in California. His name was Elliot Roger, and he shot up a community college in the Fresno area, I believe. And he had these he had these videos sitting in his car and this manifesto about how he was a supreme gentleman and that girls had no right to reject him. So he shot up a bunch of girls and dudes that he felt were getting more attention than he was from girls. And that, to me, is where a lot of the seeds were planted for these lone wolves, these lone wolves, as, as, as white people like to call them these days. But I want to say this, a lone wolf can't act as many times as these, you know, folks have without cause or without motivation. And that's exactly what's happening. You have white people that are older getting into the, I mean, they're teaching it. They're teaching racism. They're teaching misogyny. They're teaching homophobia, transphobia, and all this shit to their younger people. That's why the whole oh, racism is going to die out thing is just, it, it was bullshit from the start. And I don't know why anybody ever bought it. And even the good, I mean, it's, it's, this sounds like a stretch, even the good white people, but even they bought it. And I don't know why they would, because they know that they know their people better than we, well, I'm not going to say they know their people better than we do, but they, they know their people. They know that some white folks just don't have any love in their hearts for anybody that isn't them. And that is why people like Tucker Carlson who get on Fox News and say, oh, we're being replaced by black people and Latinos and Asians and women in the LGBTQ community. That's why these young dudes, it's like they pretty much the, the thing that they've the mess. The message is this. You don't want to to their to their young white people. You don't want to live in a world where niggers, gays and women run everything. You got to protect what's ours. This whole thing is ours. And that's the entitlement that they have. Like, nobody's allowed to breathe the same air as they are. Nobody's allowed to have the same resources. Nobody's allowed to live a good life except for straight male white people. That is what that is what they have conveyed to their youth, and their youth in alarming numbers are picking that up. You know, you've got that 4chan um thing, you know, you've got Reddit, you know, you got all these places online where these people can meet up and spout their conspiracy theories and their racism and their homophobia and their misogyny. And then once they're empowered to actually do something about it, you get incidents like in Buffalo, New York, you get incidents like the kid out in Wisconsin. I forget his name, which is really going to mess with me for the remainder of this podcast. And, um, and and Dylan Roof, who killed nine people in the church in South Carolina after praying with him. This is what we, this is what we have. This This is why I'll never really understand why people feel like you can reason with racists. You can't reason with people who don't want to see anything other than, you know, the color the, the color of someone's skin or what they look like or who they love or if they're if they are allowed to have sex with this person or not. Like it's all weirdo shit. And these weirdos are in charge. I mean, look at look at the government. You got guys like Joe Manchin and Mitch McConnell who literally are just old white men with money who are telling young, poor white people how they should think. And they're dumb enough to fall for it. They're absolutely dumb enough to fall for it. 
That's why you have an 18-year-old kid with army fatigues and, you know, bulletproof vests and assault rifles going to a black neighborhood in a black grocery store in Buffalo, New York, and shooting up people. That's why you have a Dylan Roof who actually sat down to pray with people in a South Carolina church and then killed nine of them. It's devastating. And this is what they want. They, they It's not enough for white people to just want to own everything and just have all the resources. They just want to be, they just want slaughter. They want blood. They always want blood. And aside from wanting blood, what they really just want is to be able to say they own everything and they run everything and that everything depends on them or they just don't want anybody else to have anything. That is the part that is the most alarming. And that is the part that we are too far gone. I mean, that jack is out of the box. Like you have an 18 year old kid that can just freely go around with an assault rifle and kill 10 people. It's no way that you can go back and correct whatever has gone wrong in his life. But you definitely can't stop other white people, other young white people, other young white men. I'll say that from thinking that because these fools really believe that they are the master race. They are the end all and be all. And when that is challenged, they get really shook. And the only thing that white people have ever responded to, the only way white people ever, the only way white people ever know how to respond to anything is with violence. For all the, you know, black people are violent, this, you know, Latinos steal, Asians are sneaky, Jews are cheap, black people are violent. White people check off all those boxes. So it's basically projection. White people are the masters of projection. White men. I'll always say, are the masters of projection. White women are no better. We'll have to talk, we'll have to talk about white women and how, you know, 53% of them voted for Donald Trump, but then they're surprised that the Supreme Court justices that Donald Trump installed are about to take away abortion. We'll have another, we'll have to save that for a different episode. But this is about white men today. And white men are dangerous. Very, very dangerous. And we're see, we've seen it throughout the history of this country. We've seen it, and we've definitely seen a rise of it in the last few years with, you know, extremism, you know, these domestic terrorism acts, and then, you know, these folks literally thinking they are the police, like they're doing vigilante justice, like when George Zimmerman killed Trayvon Martin, when the father and son killed Ahmaud Arbery. And these are, these are, these, this is how they think. They think because they're white and they're men and they're straight, they can do whatever the fuck they want. And the sad part about it is they're right. Nobody's going to check them. Nobody's going to stop them. Because white men, straight white men make all the rules. They get to say, this is what we do, and y'all can't do it. But we can do whatever we want to you. And you can't do anything back. You can't talk about us. You can't correct us. And you damn sure can't be violent against us. Even though we perpetuate violence on a, on a local and state level. That's how they are. It's terrifying. Granted, I live in, I mean, well, shoot, none of us are safe. None of us are ever really safe. But I feel like... Living in Wilmington, Delaware, where a town has been like 65, 70% black for most of my life and seeing that white people are slowly starting to come back into the city now. And you see it now that we've got like, you know, these riverfront destinations, these cafes and all this stuff for young hip white people to do. And you see everything that's black getting pushed out or pushed to the side. We can't speak on it because we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, we, I mean, we know further down the state. That racism has a home in, 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 you know, slower, lower Delaware. But it's not that much different up here in Wilmington. It's kind of like, you know, northern. It's kind of like, you know, how there's always been a separation between southern racism, how southern racism is just like more outright and northern racism is a little more covert. It's kind of like that within the state of Delaware. Like 
there's there are sundown towns in Kent and Sussex County, Delaware. Make no mistake about it. But above the canal, there's racism. It's just that white people are just a little more slick with it because they, you know, realize that there's still more of us than there are of them. So they have to really be careful with how they, you know, couch their racism. But it, it's here. It's absolutely here. Make no mistake about it. I mean, racism is a, is a is a worldwide problem, and I just really shudder to think what's going to happen now that we're saying that that white white people have made their play. They made their play by saying they're going to kill Roe versus Wade because they need more white babies, and now they've made their and they've always made their play with violence, but now that violence and legislation are about to work hand in hand, it's about to be scary times around here. So we got to look out for each other, black people. You know, we got to stop with this infighting about, you know, the battle of the sexes, you know, how we treat gay people in our community and all of that, because we are literally all we have. We can't look to Latinos and Asians and Eastern Indians for help because they're just going to fall in line behind white people for the most part. There will be some notable exceptions, but mostly white people have done such a great job of Stockholm syndrome on them that they, that they're, that Asians and Latinos and they're the, of that ilk are more racist against black people than some white folks sometimes. And you know where they got it from? The same place these young white kids got it from. These old, rich white men who are like, you got to protect what's ours. You know, you don't want those niggers to come in here and take over everything. And then they'll turn around and call them wet backs and slant eyes and put them in concentration camps and won't let them cross the border and all that shit. But black people are the problem. Go figure. On to something a little lighter, but still kind of important. I don't even know if you could really call this lighter, but because we're still going to, you know, be real about shit. Um, there was an interview last week on the Morning Hustle radio show. If you don't listen to like Radio One stations or, you know, not a talk morning person, radio, the Morning Hustle is like a Gen Z millennial version of the Breakfast Club. It's hosted by Headcrack and uh, L'Oreal. Uh, Angie Ange, who used to be on a WKYS back in the day, was on there, but she's moved on to other things. So now it's just Headcrack and L'Oreal. And... Recently, they had Kaylani on the show, and if you're not familiar with Kaylani, she is a, well, they are an R&B singer who came out as gay and prefers she or they pronouns. And I want to say this off the rip. It is very easy to call people by their pronouns. Like, if you feel a way about me saying this, if you're one of those people like, oh, I don't fuck with people that, you know, have they have have their pronouns in their in, in their social media bios, then this ain't the podcast for you. Because I believe that everybody should be addressed how they want to be addressed. I believe people should be able to love who they want to love and be who they want to be. So if you're looking for an amen corner for your bigotry, the CPNT show ain't the spot. Just want to make that very clear. So not even just them fucking up her um her pronouns on perp their po- their pronouns on purpose mind you and i'm going to i'm going to get this right because she said that she Kelani prefers that she she prefers they prefer they but she's not okay, she but they're not upset if they call her she so yeah as you can see i'm battling with it now but i'm going to get it right because that's what i as a journalist do and that is the gripe that is the gripe that i have today with you ladies and gentlemen in the year of our lord 2022 Journalism is a dead field. And it makes me mad because there are so many great reporters, so many great TV and radio hosts out here struggling for work when people who just have a personality and a following get to have the microphone and the camera and say whatever dumb shit they want. And yes, I'm including the Breakfast Club in that. 
Absolutely including the Breakfast Club in that. But this is about the morning hustle today. Because not only did Headcrack and L'Oreal play uh, hot potato with uh, Kehlani's pronouns, they also made a ridiculously stupid joke about them scissoring with SZA. Because obviously Kehlani came out as a lesbian, but they don't talk about their you know personal life like that. We've seen, I mean, we've seen pictures of her and SZA walk, them and SZA walking hand in hand. I mean, you know, friends hold hands all the time, especially women. Women are always all buddy-buddy with each other, you know what I'm saying? doesn't mean they sleeping together. But that scissoring with scissor joke was piss poor, and it's something that a journalist should never utter. But then again, L'Oreal's not a journalist. So, mind you, after Kehlani has left the show, they're talking about how they felt disrespected by the morning hustle. L'Oreal unleashes a rant about how Kehlani was rude and distant and turned off and, you know, just not checked out of the interview and went on to say they hope they sell more than 21,000 albums or whatever Kehlani's first week sales were. Now, I'm going to tell you something as a journalist. I've come across some people who were dicks and assholes and cunts. And yes, I'm proud. And yes, I can say this. I have 20 years of equity in this business. I, I've, as a sports writer, I've met some people Mostly adults. I mean, the kids are cool. As a sports writer, high school and college kids are probably the best people you want to talk to because they can't wait to say something. They can't wait. They're like, oh, snap, the media's here. So that's what, so that's when they start, you know, having a really good game. And then when they come over and then when you come over to them, they really just be like, yeah, we, we did this. We did that. You know, the kids are usually the ones that are coolest to talk to. It's the adults that give you the headaches. It's the coaches and the administrators who want to be classified G14 dickheads about shit. Nine times out of ten. But there are also some good there are also some good ones out there. But yes, there are some people in the media profession, if you're a journalist and a reporter, that will rub you the wrong way. Make no mistake about it. But to unleash rants about these people and talk about, you know, how they aren't you know, they came on your show and that, you know, you hope they sell more records than they actually do or whatever. That is not anything a real journalist does. And L'Oreal definitely crossed the line. And that is a problem I have with media today is that there are so many people who just get on by basically having a following that basically get on by being able to say, I have Instagram followers, I have Twitter followers, I have people that I'm an influencer. Basically, influencers run journalism. And you can see this coming a mile away with the way blogs took off back in the day. You can see it coming. Because the way blogs took off and now the podcasts have become a medium. And granted, this is coming from somebody who's been trying to figure out his foot, get his get a foothold in podcasting since 2011. I had a show. I'll give you I'll give you my rundown of my podcast. In 2011 I started something called All Subjects Everything on Blog Talk Radio. I had it was internet rate it was internet radio at the time which meant I could go live whenever I wanted to, and I did that for about five years. I was a part of Cold Slither Podcast Network briefly doing an automotive show called Riding and Rolling. I did this, you know. I came back to CPNT show. I started the CPNT show, and thanks to a good friend of mine, uh, Will Fosky, who runs the uh, New Pod City Network, I have a sports podcast over there which is called The Crossover with Chris Stevens. So basically, I've been doing this for eleven years. Haven't really figured out how to solidify my spot in the podcasting game, but I'm a person who is resilient and a person who's stubborn and a person who's always willing to keep on trying. So here we are, 11 years later, still, you know, talking to myself, trying to figure this shit out. 
But at the same time, no one who has ever been a guest on any of my shows can say that I have treated them, you know, less than with with less than respect. That is something I am proud to say as a journalist, period, as a sports writer, as a podcaster, as an interviewer in general, like it's literally just common courtesy. You know, this person is giving you their time, respect their time, just like you want them to respect your time when you're asking questions and trying to engage in conversation with them. It's really simple. It's not that hard to do. It's not that hard to get Kaylani's pronouns right. It's not that hard to just stick to asking her about the music. Or for Christ's sakes, the girl has a three-year-old. Ask them what it's like to be a young mother with a young child trying to keep a rising music career and motherhood firmly balanced. It's so easy. But again, journalism school would have done these people some good. But these people aren't going to journalism school. They are just grabbing microphones grabbing podcast space, grabbing YouTube space, and just saying whatever they want without much pushback. And that's how you have, you know, podcasts where men just openly dog women for the hell of it and, you know, just are all over the place with their thoughts on life and society and things in general. And not everybody needs to have a microphone in front of them. And granted, this is coming from somebody who has well, a microphone in front of them. But I'm just speaking on what I've observed. And I've observed a lot of changes in media. Like, I'll never forget in college, when I was um, sports editor of the Hornet newspaper, Delaware State University, I tried. Mind you, I tried to get us a a website at the time. Um, And the advisor at the time, Mr. Carlos Holmes, he was like, well, I don't think that's a good idea. And then 20 years later, uh, Delaware State University, Delaware State University Hornet is online. And... A reporter for the paper who is also a member of Delaware State University women's lacrosse team. She writes an op-ed, well not an op-ed, a column about how she and her teammates were stopped in a rural Georgia county just for the mere mere crime of driving while black in a sundown town area. This was in broad daylight, but still. And these cops searched their bags. And the sheriff at the time, well, I mean, he's still the sheriff, but the sheriff at the time of the incident said, we don't believe they did anything wrong. They didn't search any bags. Aha. But there is this beautiful thing called the body cam and the body cam was on. And what does the body cam show these cops doing? Searching bags. There was a point to all of this. And the point is, is that journalism still has a place, but people have to be real. We really have to be gatekeepers about this shit. Because again, not everybody needs to be writing. Not everybody needs to be reporting. Not everybody needs to be interviewing. There are some people who are actually good at this, you know, good at their jobs you know, on a journalism level that people like, you know, might not look at at first glance, like Taylor Rooks's interview with Shaq. And I want to talk about that on another episode because I'm just talking about other stuff now that's more important. And Taylor was able to get some really good information out of a guy who always wasn't the best interview. I mean, Shaq has tons of personality, but he has never interviewed well, in my humble opinion. But Taylor was able to get some stuff out of him that a lot of male journalists on Shaq's level you know, in terms of age, demographic, you know, wouldn't be able to get out of him. And Taylor was phenomenal. She absolutely was phenomenal. And we learned a lot about Shaq, how he feels guilty, like at 50 years old, that he didn't really make amends with Kobe until it was too late, that he ran his wife off being a man whore, and that while his kids love him, is that he's never going to have that romantic love that he knew he had with Shawnee when he was out there messing around with every woman under the sun. And these are the things that 
good journalists are able to pull out of people. They're able to get people to be honest with themselves, not just a reporter, not just the person that's interviewing them, but being honest with themselves. And Taylor did a phenomenal job of that. But then again, Taylor is a journalism graduate. So she knows Taylor Rooks is a journalism grad. So she knows what she's doing. L'Oreal, on the other hand, does not. Like, if you're that sensitive to where someone calls you out for a piss poor interview and your response is to just totally slander this person because they're 100% correct and that, you know, you dropped the ball with the pronoun botching, the, the intentional pronoun botching, and the piss poor jokes about who they may or may not be uh, going to bed with. That's your foolishness. That's your stupidity. If journalism is going to, I mean, like I said, journalism is a dead medium right now because there are too many people outside of trained traditional journalists that have the access, that have the clout, that have the resources, that have the job, and it shouldn't be that way. That's why you get interviews with people that, that disrespect people like Kehlani, that disres- where Charlemagne the God, you know, can just disrespect black women and women in general just because, you know, it's it, it's funny to him. It's a, it's a joke to him. It's And that's the thing that I hate about talk radio is that a lot of shit people feel like they're just, you know, trying to be stand-up comedians in a room that does not require stand-up comedy. Simple as that. People are doing way too much. Trying to be funny, trying to get clicks, trying to get likes, trying to get retweets and reposts and all of that. If you are good at your job and if you're confident in what you're doing, you don't have to insult or humiliate anybody else to do it. That is something I learned a long time ago because I was taught by true journalism professionals like Dwayne Wickham, who had a USA Today column for 35 years, was definitely one of the greatest teachers I've ever had. Um, Carlos Holmes, you know, he told me that the, the, the day that I figured out that I had to be a journalist was the day that he called me out for not having quotes from football players and coaches in my stories. And this was early in my journalism career. Like, he said to me, if you're not going to talk to people, then you're in the wrong field. And I got over that. I got over my shyness in that respect real quick. And there, I, I mean, I've had people, I've had journalism professionals teach me the ropes. I've, you know, done internships. You know, I've worked at newspapers. And I, that's why I feel like podcasting is easy because it's just basically talking to people and talking to them like they got some sense. Because, you know, you don't have to disrespect everybody you come in contact with. You don't have to disrespect anybody, period. But as a journalist, you, that should never be something that you should never be trying to have aha gotcha moments with people that you need. You need people to come on your shows. You need people to talk to you for your stories. You need people to write stories about and, you know, cover and record and broadcast. As, mu- as much as journalists are needed to tell the stories, we still have to be respectful in some respects to the people we're talking to. Like afterwards, then you can say, oh yeah, that person was a pain in the butt. But while you're doing the interview, I mean, professionalism still matters. That is basically what I'm trying to say. The long point, the long road is that professionalism matters. And if you're not being professional as a journalist, then you're not being a journalist, in my opinion. And that's why I feel like we really have to start getting back to the nuts and bolts of having people who don't have biases, who don't have agendas to push, who are impartial, who just want to tell the story as facts, not not to get a reaction, not to get, you know, clicks and retweets and reposts and likes. And I mean, yes, a good story is always good to start a discussion, but it shouldn't be a disrespectful discussion. And that is where the morning hustle fucked up with Kehlani. And we really need to call more of that type, type of foolishness out. And that will do it for this week's edition of the Chris Pods and Things Podcast. Greatly appreciate y'all for listening. Once again, go to anchor.fm forward slash C-H-R-I-S-P-O-D, the letter N-T-H-A-N-G-S, 
to catch up on previous episodes. Also, you can find us on Spotify at your just search for Chris Pods and Things as a sentence on Spotify. Chris Pods and Things. And also, you can find me on Twitter at CJ Writes and Things. That's CJ W R I T E S, the letter N T H A N G S. And you can email me all your questions, comments, suggestions, and concerns at C H R I S S T E V E N S W R I T E S at gmail.com. So thank you all for listening to the Chris Pods and Things show. Greatly appreciate it. Coming up, June is Black Music Month, so I'm hopeful that I will have some guests on. And I may have a project where I just review an album a day for the podcast and then just, you know, either just broadcast, just publish an episode every day or just do a couple album reviews per episode and then just drop them, drop them, drop them, drop them, drop them. And hopefully I'll have some people on to talk about music with me because music is always a good conversation. So, yes, that is what we'll be doing for June. Got a couple more things to talk about in May. Hopefully we'll just see what, you know, the temperature's like out there and we'll talk about more of that stuff. So until the next time we get up, y'all be good or be good at it. Thank you.